0: Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night and your boy on social media at MMALOT. And this week... We're going over UFC Paris which is the debut event for the UFC in France and I'm very excited because we do have some great fights on there, some good local talent as well but uh, most of all we get the return of the heavyweight Cyril Gun after his heavyweight title shot that he just fumbled the bag in ever so slightly back in January but now here he's back looking to march back onto the title challenge and uh, another title shot and uh, he starts to here against Tai Tuivasa who's on a solid winning streak of his own couple other great fights sprinkled out throughout the card, including Robert Whitaker going up against Marvin Vittori in a pivotal middleweight matchup. And then we also have a couple other fun fights like Nassadin Imovov versus Joaquin Buckley. Charles Jourdain going up against Nathaniel Wood. A ton of great fights that I can't wait to break down for you guys on this upcoming podcast. But before we get into all of that stuff, let's make sure we go over the last uh, betting events that we had. Obviously, <clears throat> we had a week off from the UFC but we did have some contenders while we uh you know were waiting for this next UFC event but we can quickly gloss over UFC 278 which was a slight losing event due to the unfortunate title loss of Kamaru Usman so we'll start off with that I had a three unit parlay at plus 131 it was technically a four unit parlay or sorry a four leg parlay uh that included Miranda Maverick unfortunately Shauna Young was forced out of that fight the day of the fight if I'm not mistaken or even probably the day before I believe it was right before the weigh-ins uh so that brought it down to a three-legger um the first two legs hit with relative ease Harry Hunsucker against Tyson Pedro uh under one and a half there was no you know no question whether that one was going to hit or not. Uh, Amir Albazi absolutely running through Francisco Figueiredo, just as I expected him to. And then as I obviously just touched on, Kamar Usman getting knocked out in the last minute against Leon Edwards cost us that three-leg, yeah, three three-unit parlay. So minus three units right there. We actually kicked off the night with a lock-of-the-night hit, which continues to streak now. I think it's about to six or seven straight lock-of-the-night hits now. So I'm very... uh happy about that but it was a four unit play on victor alt moreno at minus 168 a uh, little bit of a hiccup right at that bit, uh the beginning of the fight but victor you know it seemed to have woken him up as he was able to put his punches together get lisserta to the ground and then absolutely punish him on the ground with some big elbows and got him out there without too much resistance again he faced a little resistance at the beginning of the fight but was quickly able to take over and show off that he was the much better fighter that night so very happy to catch that i had a lot of people that were on me saying hey you know da silva very dangerous early you sure you want to make this your lock in the night play i had no qualms about it but hey just in case and also because i believe that victor was going to be able to get him out of there too i did have a two unit play on the under two and a half at minus 160 that cashes as well so i was very happy to to have both of those bets cash in one uh one fight um especially with relative ease then uh, the next uh, next fight was actually the dog of the night. Played two units at plus one thirty two on Jay Peron. That didn't come through. Um, you know, solid takedown defense from Arichi Lang was able to get back to his feet and really punish Jay on the feet. Uh, momentum was starting to swing Jay's way, but unfortunately, it was only a three round fight, and that was not enough time for Jay Prawn to get the dub. And then we also had one unit on Jose Aldo at plus 120 against Marab Devalishvili later on that main card. And uh, it seemed like the threat of the takedown continuously forced uh jose aldo to be gun shy and he just did not let the you know pull the trigger he matched his stuff all 16 takedown attempts from Narab davalashvili which is kind of a consolation prize but we still eventually have to rip up our ticket because he just could not do anything on the feet when they were at range Murad did a good job in terms of closing the distance pushing him up against the cage and really controlling him in those spots so uh hats off to the Murad davalashvili backers um you know, very, very unfortunate performance from Jose Aldo, but it is what it is. So minus 2.37 units on UFC 278, but we managed to get it right back on the contender series on the following Monday as we had, or on the following Tuesday, I should say, as we had a very successful contender series event. Uh, the one prop that I did bet on ended up shitting the bed, which was the under two and a half units at minus 120 for the Denise Gomez and her Amanda fight. Um, Some finishing opportunities were on the table, but I did underestimate the durability of Amanda as she was able to take all those big shots from Denise. Um, I will say, though, you know, I didn't uh, expect Denise to go out there and continuously throw spinning back kicks in that first round, which I think not gassed her out, but at least took the sting off of her shots later in the fight, which would possibly have crumbled Amanda had she had not uh, exerted as much energy as she did early in that fight so minus 1.2 units there but it started to pick up after that because we cashed one unit on Cameron Simon at plus 200 so that automatically negates the um, minus 1.2 units we had from that under two and a half great performance from Cameron a little bit of a slow start but it seemed at the ending of that first round he was able to put his punches together specifically his left hand and he was able to you know hit Josh a bunch of times and uh, Wong Kim just had no answer from that seemed like he got deflated after that first round and then eventually got completely starched in round three by cameron so shout out to anybody that took that plus money on him as well um Yeah, love Cameron in that spot. Very much looking forward to seeing what he can do in the UFC at such a young age as well. And then lastly, in the main event, you're giving me two sloppy heavyweights, but you're giving me one for plus 215. No duh, I'm taking the plus 215 on Michael Parkin as he cashes, you know, it was a slugfest for as long as it lasted, but eventually Neves gave up his neck and Parkin was able to take it back on home with him. So we cashed plus 2.15 units on him as well. So all in all, plus 2.95 units on this last Contender Series event. I am recording this on a Tuesday, and there is a obviously a Tuesday night Contender Series tonight as well. Um, I only have two bets on it, one of it being an underdog and one of it being a favorite. Um, really messed up the, the line movement on the favorite, but if you guys want to see what those bets are, check out my Twitter page, as I'll likely be releasing it on there before the fight starts. Um, but yeah, hoping to make it, uh three straight contender series wins i haven't had a losing event on the contender series thus far but then again i've only bet on two events so far so we'll see if we can come through with three events tonight all right before we jump into the breakdowns here shout out to everybody that's been supporting the show you know i've been doing the mma lock has pretty much as a recorded show or live show over the last couple months um but want to kick my ass and get back into the pre-editing version of it because i know people love and enjoy the graphics and you know the the smoothness of a pre-edited version compared to me rambling on with the live chat in the live versions but hey don't worry. You know, I mean, I do plenty of live content throughout the week. So if you guys have any concerns that you want to bring to me, you can obviously drop it in the comment section below after, of course, you like and subscribe the video or just hop in on one of the MMA Lock Talk episodes that I do Monday through Thursday, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. That whole show is all about you guys where I pretty much start off the show with the five minute, six minute, you know, Rant slash getting shit off my chest, and then pretty much just getting into the live chat the rest of the way. So if you guys want to talk to your boy, get in the live chat. And you missed the live chat version of the MMA Lockcast? That's what the MMA Lock Talk is for. So make sure you guys tune in for that. uh If you guys have already liked, if you guys have already sub- subscribed, and if you guys have already left a con comment, but still want to support your boy a little bit more, the best way to do so would be through the Patreon. So make sure you guys go check that out. Link is in the description below. Five bucks a month. You get early access to the breakdowns, a full best bets and props article for the entire card um great predictions uh coming out early on the contender series as well a great discord community and not to mention the pay-per-view parlay for the patrons which is back in full effect although it did end up losing this past week because of uh kamar Usman getting knocked out in that last minute but we were oh so close to cashing it and what that parlay pretty much is is i put out a survey for all the patrons you guys do the survey and then whoever comes out or whichever spots come out with the four highest votes I put 5% of my Patreon money on that parlay for you guys. And if it ends up hitting, I send out that money to uh, a random or I send out the winnings to a random patron the following day. So make sure you guys go check that out. A ton of great stuff on there. All right let's not waste any more time let's get right into this card for you guys first fight of the night is going to be a featherweight fight between Eileen Perez and Stephanie Egger Uh, Perez coming in on short or sorry I believe it's Stephanie Egger coming in on short notice as she's replacing Zara Ferrandos Santos Uh, and she's looking to rebound off of that fight against Mara Bueno Silva last week or last month where she unfortunately um, you know came uh, fell victim to a Non tap, no tap. I don't know what it was, but there was a very weird situation where uh, Myra Bueno Silva had an arm bar locked on, but it was in a very weird position where we couldn't see whether Stephanie Eger tapped or not. And uh, Myra Bueno was saying that she tapped, hence the fight being ended. One of the judges also said that she tapped. Again, there's no video proof or evidence to support either side here so it's unfortunate that stephanie egger takes a loss that night but luckily for her she gets to step right back into the cage and hope to right that wrong she comes in as a hefty minus 300 favorite here to eileen perez who's coming back at about plus 260 plus 250 um i was kind of surprised to see stephanie egger as such a big favorite if i'm being honest you know i'm a fan of hers i think she has some good skills i think she can go out there and beat a lot of women and i think that she can beat eileen perez in this spot but you know if she you know struggles to to get this fight to the ground or if Eileen Perez has success of her own getting this fight to the ground things could get a little a lot stickier for Stephanie Egger than she expected I do think that Egger is the better jujitsu player here so if this fight does hit the mat you know I ain't I'm not uh, completely uh, scared that Egger is going to get grinded out in this spot especially considering the level of competition that Eileen Perez has gone up against but uh you know Eileen, the the majority of her game is overpowering her opponents, getting them to the ground, grinding them out, either finding a finish from on top or finding a submission of some sort. Um, but the level of competition, like I said, has been very, very porous. Like she won a title on the regional scene against a girl who pretty much gave up because she was getting her ass kicked. <laughs> Like, it's not a good look, right? Like, I think that Eileen is going to be in for a rude awakening in terms of the type of resistance she's actually going to be facing here compared to the resistance that she faced on the regional scene. You know, not often do I put so much emphasis on the regional scene because if a fighter looks good enough and they seem to have the talent and the skills inside the cage, no matter the level of competition they're going up against, I'm okay with that, right? Perfect example is Cameron Simon uh, this past week on the Contender Series. The guy, you know, he's fought some decent guys, but obviously uh, Josh Wang Kim seemed to have the higher level of competition on the regional scene, but it didn't really come into play as Cameron was still able to showcase his skills the way that he normally did on the regional scene and was able to get rid of Josh Wang Kim the way that he did. But here against Eileen, like, I think that uh, Edgar will likely be the better overall grappler here, and especially when the fight does hit the mat, I think we'll see Edgar a little bit more... um, you know, proactive in terms of getting a finish, whether it's an armbar from her back, whether it's her hitting a reversal, whether it's her being the one on top, eventually getting that dominant position and really wearing on Perez from on top. So I I do lean the Egger side here, but I just can't come to terms in terms of betting minus 300, minus 330 on her in this spot. She should run through Perez, but I'm just a little bit scared that uh, Perez might have a little bit more, uh, you know, in her skill set and can actually transfer his skills from fighting you know scrubs on the regional scene to fighting mediocre talent to average talent on the UFC scene so uh yeah uh give me Stephanie Ager Stephanie Ager inside the distance but more most likely I'll be staying off this fight as a whole all right let's move on to the next fight and we're going to be talking about Khalid Taha going up against Christian Quinones. in terms of odds we got minus 125 now on Khalid Taha and plus 105 on Christian Quinones. Now this is a very fun fight, and uh, Quinones actually coming in on short notice for a Taylor Lapalus who is looking to make his UFC return this weekend. Unfortunately, he's forced out due to an injury. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing him come back into the UFC with a very impressive record of 18 and three. He actually went three and one in the UFC before. I don't know if he got cut or if he just decided to leave the UFC, but a very impressive record uh, in the UFC, even outside of the UFC. So I'll be glad, I'll be happy to see him back when he is able to make that return. But Christian Quinones, who just received his UFC contract on the contenders race last year, late last year, uh, making his UFC debut here against, a, dare I say, a one-dimensional Khalid Taha you know Khalid you know fun fighter in terms of throws big power has some decent submissions on the ground but that's when he's able to you know get wear his opponents down like he did against Bruno Silva and then eventually submit him later in that fight oh wait did Khalid Taha test positive for steroids and get suspended and had that fight changed to a no contest yes he did and right now the only fight that he has on his record in the ufc as a win is a 27 second knockout over Boston and salmon who you know great fighter but his chin has definitely not been the strongest suit of his game and we've seen that over and over again so what are really the legitimacy of uh, khalid Haha's wins and you know his his skill set he has big power i'll give that to him but like he can be out wrestled which I think that Quinonez could absolutely establish in this matchup. And in terms of the striking, I think that Canones has a better overall striking game. You know, he doesn't just resort to overhand hooks and big power shots to 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 try to knock his opponents out. He uses crisp, clean shots down the middle. He has a good kicking game as well, but he also does very good work when he's able to drag fights into the grappling realm. He has very good scrambles, and even when he gets taken down, the man does not really settle on his back. He does a good job in terms of digging under hooks, getting that half guard sweep or even just you know getting the butterfly hooks and pushing his opponents off of him and getting back to his feet or reversing the position getting his opponents backs and either choking them out or just getting that dominant position and riding that out i'm very impressed with what i've seen from canones i believe he has a 19 fight pro career even before coming to the ufc and he's fought some legitimate competition on the regional scene so I think this kid is legit. You know, I think he has some great skills. I think he showed some great skills in his uh, contender series fight as well. Uh, you know, he won the first round. He started to, you know, fall behind a little bit in that second round, but managed to land a big knockdown at the ending of that second round and then was able to take that momentum, bring it into the third round, and eventually win the fight and that contract. So I'm very impressed with what I've seen on the tape from Christian. Uh, Khalid, he's slowly becoming that knockout or bust type of fighter. And I get it. He submitted Bruno Silva, but I really think that that br- version of Bruno Silva, you know, is not anywhere compared to the version of Bruno Silva that we currently have. So I'm going to be going with the Christian Quinonez side. I do already have a bet on him at plus 118. Seems like money coming in on him has brought him down to about plus 105 as of Tuesday of fight week. Uh, and I completely understand. I wouldn't even be surprised if this fight does end up being a uh, complete, you know, um, flipping of the line where we see uh, Quinonez become a small favorite going into the fight here so give me canones i think taha is quite tough so i'll give him that so i think we'll see canones beat him over 15 minutes and take this victory home via decision all right let's move on to the next fight here we're going to be talking about the third fight of the night on the prelims and not to mention the prelims actually kick off at noon eastern My ass will actually be on the way to Montreal during that time, so I won't be able to catch the fights live. I'll be watching them after the fact, but don't get caught napping early card this week since they are in France. All right, uh, next fight of the night, we're going to be talking about a Frenchman making his... uh I believe it's third walk to the octagon now against short notice Gabriel Miranda. I believe it is. Yeah, short notice. Uh, Christos Iagos was originally supposed to fight Benoit Saint-Denis, but in steps Gabriel uh, Miranda. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus 275 for Benoit Saint-Denis and plus 220 the return on Gabriel Miranda. So I already knew how Benoit Saint-Denis fights, right? Like, he is a guy that goes out there, actively seeks the takedown, actively looks to get your back, and tries to get you out of there. A lot of his wins have come inside the first round. Uh, He is very um, dead set on putting a pace on you, not letting you breathe, and then eventually breaking you so that he can take home a submission, just like he did in his last fight against Nicolas Stose. very impressive I was very happy to bet the under two and a half in that fight as I'll more than likely be happy to take the fight doesn't go to decision in this fight it's right now at minus 240 uh, which is might be a little bit chalky to some people but I think that has a very good chance of hitting the it seems like the widely available total right now is the one and a half and the under one and a half currently sits at minus 125. You know, I think we might see this stretch slightly past that one-and-a-half-round mark, but at a certain point, I think we're going to get a finish from either side. Now, I've already talked about Benoit Saint-Denis and his knack for just going out there and looking for the finish immediately. But on the flip side, well, Gabriel uh, Miranda, he kind of does the same thing. Like, a lot of his wins are in the first round, and a lot of his losses come after that first round when he's not able to get the finish over his opponents. You know, he's a very top-heavy guy that likes to, you know, Uh, get that mount as soon as you can, try to take the back of his opponents and try to get them out of there. Very impressive, right? Very similar to what I saw from Benoit Saint-Denis. So... You know, early in this fight, Gabriel Miranda is very, very live to pull off a victory because I think his jiu-jitsu, when he is, you know, when he has his cardio about him, is just as good as Benoit Saint Denis. Both these guys are probably going to cancel each other out early, but I'm expecting the pace from both men to force Gabriel Miranda to start gassing out because that's the issue that we've seen with him in the past. He does start to slow down, uh, and that's where other guys are able to get out of these bad positions, take advantage of those positions, and really start putting the hurt in on gabriel uh, miranda i did notice <clears throat> excuse me ooh, uh i did notice that the uh, miranda in round one currently sits at plus 1000 which i think is a great head spot in case anybody does look to take the chalk on benoit saint denis but rather than take the chalk on saint denis i would rather cover both possible winners here And take the fight doesn't go to decision, which is roughly around minus uh, 240, like I said. Uh, It's still only available on one bookie as of now. So I'm assuming as soon as this starts to open up on more bookies, we'll see it take more action. But this is really one of those spots where I'm more than happy to take straight action on a super chalky spot because both guys are, you know, finishers. And I think with the amount that Gabriel Miranda will start to slow down, he's definitely going to get finished by Benoit Saint-Denis later in this fight. You know, if if Benoit was closer to minus one fifty, I'd be happy to take the the shot on him here. But uh, given how dangerous Gabriel could actually be early in this fight, and possibly being the better technical jujitsu guy, he is very live to win this fight. But like I said, violence will more than likely be the spot, and that's what I'll be targeting. But in terms of an actual bet always bet cardio. I think my guy Liam Picks fights always says that ABC always bet cardio and Benoit Saint-Denis is definitely the better cardio machine here compared to what we've been seeing from Gabriel Miranda. So give me Benoit Saint-Denis probably by second or third round finish. All right, next up, we're going to be talking about another Frenchman finally fighting in his Home country, we got Nassadin Imavov going up against Joaquin Buckley. In terms of odds, we got minus 255 on Imavov and plus 215 the return on Joaquin Buckley. Now, this is a fun fight, right? Buckley's always in fun fights more often than not. And Nassadin Imavov, that guy is really starting to come into his own, especially with the last couple performances that we've seen him have right i had ian heinisch as a lock of the night play against imovov and we saw a tremendously improved version of imovov that night we saw him get off the cage whenever heinisch was trying to initiate the clinch and trying to get takedowns and even stuffed all the takedowns from ian heinisch eventually finishing him in that second round heinisch really seemed to gas out trying to you know get his hands around imov and trying to drag him to the ground and Imovav just stay, stayed calm cool and collected and just did his work from the outside eventually he was able to finish him in that second round like i said with his punches combinations and his rangy striking then in the edmund shabazzian fight we kind of saw the same thing where edmund you know had some early success with his boxing but we know that eventually that that gas tank of edmund is going to start to dwindle and that's where we saw Imovov start to take over and then eventually finish him in that second round round i believe it was second round maybe even third round but was able to put the pressure on him and get him out of there imovov is very much getting comfortable in this game now right he knows that he has to kind of keep it at range he has to stay away from the clinch but even when he gets into the clinch you know he does some decent work in there with some elbows and some knees But he does a good job in terms of like digging under hooks, making sure that he uh, is not getting taken down or even getting threatened with a takedown. And then when he feels like he's getting close to it, he pushes off, gets back into open open space, and gets back to work with his handiwork. Um, uh, Joaquin Buckley on a bit of a winning streak right now. So, you know, looking pretty good. But I think that he's going to struggle to win this fight. You know, even if you look back at that Antonio Hoyo fight for Joaquin Buckley very much struggles early in that fight to try to land any big punches uh you know close the distance and even on numbers like he's up on Antonio Ohio but Ohio was landing the much more devastating blows you know that's why all three judges pretty much scored that first round for Ohio but then we see the pressure of Buckley start to break uh, Antonio and we see Ohio really start to slow down in that second and third round and that's where Buckley's able to land that big shot to put him out so very impressive work from Buckley in terms of weathering that early storm and eventually coming back and winning that fight But Imovov, has very solid cardio I don't think he's going to get broken by Buckley here I think he'll do a good enough job in terms of using his kicks to remain on the outside and I think if even if Buckley wants to go out there and try to get this fight to the ground like he successfully did five times against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan I think Imovavi is going to be much more ready for a takedown heavy approach than what Al-Hassan was not to mention a lot of the takedowns that Buckley was landing in that fight was due to Al-Hassan overthrowing overextending with his big power punches and Buckley was able to change levels duck on Get that takedown and control him from on top. So don't look too hard at the five takedowns that Buckley was able to land on now Hassan and think that he can replicate that here against Imavov, as I think he's just going to really struggle with closing that distance and eating those shots anytime he tries to close the distance as well. So I like Imavov here, uh, minus two fifty-five, a little bit out of my price range. Honestly, like I'm not too. Uh, enthused to take that big chalk on Imovov, but considering how much he is improving and how much we see it on a fight-to-fight basis, I think that this is a perfect fight for him to go out there and uh, touch up uh, Buckley from the outside and win this fight via decision. The spot that I am looking at, which is starting to take some action now, so I might end up passing on it once it starts to become more widely available, is the over one and a half, which I currently see, you know, minus 160 on one book, minus 175 on another book. I think this is going to be one of those spots where Imov is able to drag it into a... Not a slow-paced kickboxing matchup, but a a rangy kickboxing matchup where neither guy is able to land a big shot or get a finishing opportunity, at least not until later in this fight. But even then, I think that we'll see him you know, be methodical, and just really touch up Buckley from the outside and win this fight via decision. So, um, you know, if I can get minus 160s, minus 150 on one of my books, once the, the totals really start to open up everywhere, then I'd probably take a shot. But as it starts inching closer to minus 200, I'll probably stay away from it. Um, I do like Imavov here. I do think he wins this fight by decision, and I think we'll continue to see his ascent up the ranks as he gets through uh, Joaquin Buckley. All right, next up. We got another French fighter taking the stage here. We got Ferris Ziem going up against UFC debutante Michal Figlak in terms of odds. We currently got plus 165 on Ziem and minus 195 on Michal Figlak. Now, before I even got into this fight, you know, I saw a lot of my boys and a lot of guys within the industry already taking that underdog shot on Ferris Ziem. So I'm like, going into this maybe... I should look at the ZM side and see if there is actual value there, or if I'm not really picking up on what these guys are seeing. Now, Figlak, eight zero prospect coming off the Cage Warriors scene, seems to have a you know decent all around game, some good striking, but he seems to do his best work when he's able to initiate the clinch and get his opponents to the mat. The question here, the big question here, is how effective can he actually be against higher level talent than what he fought in Cage Warriors? Because more often than not, when we see guys <clears throat> when we see guys have tremendous success uh with the grappling in the cage warrior scene, it's because the, the, the grappling over there is just not as high level as what you'll normally see in the UFC. But luckily for Figlak, I think he's finding a guy here in ZM that he can exploit that with, right? I think his striking is good enough to handle ZM on the feet, not handle, but like at least be competitive with ZM because ZM will definitely have the advantage there. And ZM has been able to do good work even while working off of his back foot, trying to keep his opponents at distance and trying to implement his kickboxing game like he did against Luigi Vendermini. But when guys are able to get their hands around him and drag him to the ground, that's where he really seems to struggle. Now he's two and two in the UFC, arguably could be one and three, as a lot of people thought that Jamie Mularkey deserved the decision against him a couple fights ago. But it is what it is. Fair to see him now sitting at two and two. But I'm not willing to go out there and really pay minus 200 on a UFC debutante against a guy that, you know, who will likely be outstruck, right? Like I think that Zim will be the one outstriking him here. Um, and at that point, we're going to have to hope that Figlak can uh, close the distance, get his hands around him and drag him to the ground. But it's not like he's some super high-level grappler. It's not like he's some you know, D1 uh, college wrestling standard or anything like that. So I understand why the money is coming on Ferris, or at least it seems to be bouncing back now. And Michal is starting to, you know, steady up at minus 200. But earlier in the week, I did see uh, that money coming in on Ferris, seeing him get down to the plus 150-ish, plus 160 area. But uh, I I think we're going to keep it, we're going to continue to it stay at a standstill as people will start to lean with the grappler here in the FGLAC side. So I, I will still lean Figlak here to win this fight. I did tease that I'd probably bet him if he got down to minus 150. But considering how it's kind of just, you know, that line is meeting some resistance now and we're seeing it stick at minus 200, I don't think I'm, I'm going to end up getting to the betting window to bet him here. Ferris, great striker, but I think that's going to hold him back from in terms of being like a, uh, you know, a guy that has tremendous success in the UFC. I'd be surprised if he's still in the UFC a year and a half from now because I think he's going to continue to face some grapplers that are going to give him too much issues. Luigi was supposed to be the guy. Luigi couldn't, you know, effectively close that distance until that third round, where he possibly deserved a 10-8, to be honest. One judge did give it to him, but ultimately the other two judges only gave him a 10-9, and Ferris was able to win those first two rounds pretty handily. So uh, I see the liveness of which is why i won't be backing figlack much at all this weekend but i'm still going to lean on the figlack side to win this fight via decision by using his grappling and using his clinch game all right let's move on to the next fight here we're going to be talking about the prelim headliner and we're finally going to get the ufc debut of abus magomedov He's going to be taking on Dustin Stoltzfus, who just picked up his first UFC victory not too long ago over Dwight Grant. Uh, Stoltzfus is going to be coming into this fight as a plus two twenty five favorite, uh, or sorry, underdog. And then on the flip side, we got minus two sixty five on Magomedov. Now Stoltzfus, like I said, picked up his first win against Dwight Grant. Uh, I want to say two months ago, or a month ago, and quickly resigned with the UFC because he was on a three fight losing streak before that. Luckily for him, they gave him another shot and he was able to pull a rabbit out of the hat and win that fight against Dwight Grant. A great win for him. You know, then again, Dwight Grant, in my opinion, not really much of a UFC level opponent. Uh, and I'm surprised that he's had as much longevity in the UFC as he's had, especially considering how low volume and low activity he actually is. Um uh, Dwight Grant did outstrike him in terms of significant strikes, but we did see was get this fight to the ground at, uh, at crucial moments and really start to touch up um, Dwight Grant from on top, landing almost double the total strikes that Dwight Grant was able to land in that fight. So decent work from Stoltzfus in that fight, but I thought stylistically that was a good opponent for him. Here against Abus, I think he's pretty much outmatched everywhere. You know, Abus uh, fell short in the PFL tournament, I believe, back in 2018 or 2019 when he took on Luis Taylor in the main event and got knocked down in, I believe, 30 or 40 seconds uh, off, uh, off of a left hook that landed right on his temple. Um, and I think that, you know, made a lot of people hesitant about picking Abus moving forward. But That is a flash in the pan moment for me, right? That is a Uriah Faber knocking out Ricky Simone and people still holding on to that for Ricky Simone saying that this guy's chinny. But now he's gone off since that fight and reeled off win after win after win, especially his biggest win to date over Jack Shore this past week. Or, you know, a couple a couple months ago, actually, at this point. Uh Abis, I think, is gonna have a solid amount of success in the middleweight division here in the UFC. Uh, I believe it's middleweight, sorry. I it should be uh, yeah, it is middleweight. I don't know why I thought he was a 170, but uh either way, I, I think he should have some solid success here. He has a solid striking game. You know, he uses his range very well. He's gonna have a two-inch height advantage as well as a three inch reach advantage in this fight, which he uses very well whenever he has that advantage in other fights. He uses his strict slick striking down the middle, one twos down the middle to do a good spot, uh to do good work there. Uh he uses his uh flashing his knees uh to you know kind of make you think whether he's gonna be kneeing you up the middle. Trying to throw a kick or just trying to faint it and then eventually get you with whatever he's going to throw after that Uh, and then when he needs his grappling he can use his grappling when he needs to I see a lot of people saying that if he doesn't use his grappling here it's going to be a closer fight I don't think so I I think that Stolzfus you know uh, sure he could possibly win by knockout but that could happen in almost any fight as we saw you know the previous week with Leon Edwards and Kamar Usman but if that's really his only way to win this fight I don't see how he wins it. You know, Abis should do a good job in terms of controlling the range and landing the better strikes from outside. And even if he feels like he's starting to get behind on the scorecards, he can really start to go to his grappling and get this fight to the ground. Stolzfus has given up two third-round losses back-to-back to to Rodolfo Vieira, which, in my opinion, is a big red flag, and then obviously to Gerald Mirscher, who, you know, Gerald Mirscher does Gerald Mirscher things. He was losing that fight, and then eventually pulls off that submission in the third round against Dustin. Um, Dustin did show good things in that first two rounds against Gerald, and I'll admit that, but that's how Gerald normally fights. He usually goes behind, just as he did in the Bruno Silva fight, and then he eventually comes back and, uh, you know, usually wins later in fights or at least the momentum starts to swing his way in that uh, second second half of the fight. And either he wins by decision or he wins by finish or he just doesn't do enough uh, or is not able to do enough in that second round to win that second round and ultimately loses a decision. Stolzfus, I, I really don't think he's uh, that high level of an opponent. I'm surprised that Abu is still, you know, sub minus 300. I'm very surprised. Uh, You know, I I think maybe once we get closer to fight day, he'll start to skyrocket to minus 350, minus 400. But if people are really holding on to that, that Lewis Taylor knockout loss, I think they're in for a a rude awakening, because I think that Abyss is much better than having that on his record. Um you know, he, he's done some good work even since that knockout loss. Uh, and I think that his, you know, UFC debut, which has kind of been longly touted at this point in time, uh, is going to be very successful for him here against Dustin. Both guys kind of German based, which is hilarious. Um, but I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this one plays out. And I think it's absolutely going to be on the Magomedov side as he gets his hand raised here. I am very confident on the abis megamadoff side if you're going to play chalk on anybody this weekend abis better be number one is all i gotta say so give me abis um give me him by uh, i'm i'm torn on whether he wins by finish or whether he wins by decision let me just refer to my uh best bets and props article that i threw up for the the patreon folks in terms of the method of victory that I picked for him. Uh, yeah, Mega Megomedov inside the distance, plus 120. I think he could probably get Dustin out of there, probably at least by the third round. Big, big finishing power. Solid submission victories as well. I think he has a lot to bring to the table here. So give me Abus inside the distance. That is wrap on the prelims. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe. If you haven't already, drop a comment below and let me know what you think about the breakdowns thus far. Alright, let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into this main card and it starts off with a banger in the featherweight division. We got Charles Jourdain going up against Nathaniel Wood. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus one. Where is it at now? Minus 135 for Charles Jourdain plus 115 for Nathaniel Wood. A very fun fight here between two guys that are usually in very exciting fights, especially Charles Jordan with his flashy, spinning, flying style of his striking and especially just screaming at his opponents later in fights, wanting for war. Um, it, it's completely understandable why he's become a fan favorite over his last couple fights. Very close fight against Shane Burgos last time around, which he came up short in, but um, you know, the momentum was definitely swinging his way. He probably had a a solid enough argument to say that he deserved to win that fight but he ends up coming out on the losing end nonetheless Um, the one kryptonite in Charles's game is that grappling right we saw Shane have success in that realm and I think that's the reason why he ended up winning that fight but even if you go through all of the past fights of Charles Dordain he very much struggles when guys are able to put that wrestling and that grappling and that jujitsu on him uh, because that doesn't allow him to get his strength off which is his striking and his flashy style Nathaniel Wood you know. This is going to be his second fight now. Up at 145 pounds, had a successful debut in the featherweight division uh, against Charles or Charles Rosa back in March. Uh, very good work, I believe it was March, probably. Uh a little bit after that actually he was supposed to fight in march that fight fell off uh and then he fought again uh, on the aspinall versus curtis blades card which i think was june if i'm not mistaken but either way uh picks up a victory over charles rosso there uh strength not really being too much of an issue there right a lot of people thought that charles Rosa was going to be able to manhandle him there but he didn't it seems like uh wood is really starting to grow into this 145 pound division Uh, If you guys remember, you know, his cuts down to 135 used to be hell for the guy. He's very long. He's very rangy for that division. So seeing him go up to 145 pounds makes all the sense in the world to me. Now here against Charles he's going to have to show off some of those grappling chops if he is able to pull off success and and I think he can I think he's able to do so you know his striking game is good enough to to be competitive with Charles you know even when he's not able to close that distance he stays very active with the leg kicks from the outside but then he also sets traps with the angles that he cuts and then he almost pulls his opponents into his strikes and then he counters with uh, his punches as well here against charles i think that we'll see him take a proactive grappling approach you know i think he'll strike for a little bit but after a certain amount of time i think we'll see him try to get that grappling going try to get the back of charles and either try to ride it out or find a submission victory i think wood is the more disciplined and better technical fighter overall but charles is always a wild card considering how he fights so he's always live in in most of the fights that he, he goes out there and competes in i get why he's the favorite ever so slightly but I really think just based off the skill alone, Nathaniel Wood should be the slight favorite in this spot. You know, this is a guy who is routinely minus four hundred, minus five hundred in his fights. Now we're getting him at plus money against a guy that has holes in his game. That's an auto bet. That is why Nathaniel Wood is my dog. Then I play for this card. Has already got one and a half units on him at plus one twenty. I think that this is a solid play. And uh, if Charles comes out there and wins this fight, it'll be bittersweet for me as a canadian and wanted to see canadian guys thrive within the uh the ufc but i think just skill wise nathaniel what is the much better fighter here and as long as he can get his game going you know staying active from the outside and landing some takedowns he should have uh you know put together enough of a, a body of work to be able to get the judge's decision I will also say this. I think the submission is absolutely live from Nathaniel Wood. He has a very slick and underrated BJJ game, and I think that's going to come into play here against Charles Jourdain. So give me Nathaniel Wood. Give me Nathaniel Wood by decision, but I'm not going to count out a possible submission victory for him. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. And this is a fight between two UFC debutants. We got French uh Frenchman William Gomez going up against uh Dutch fighter Jarnor Ahrens in terms of odds we got minus 215 on Gomez and plus 185 the return on Ahrens uh pretty much a a striker versus grappler fight here right like seeing the 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 physique of william gomez uh i thought that this guy was going to be like a a kickboxer right i thought he was going to be a guy that likes to use his range and try to kick these guys from the outside use his punches from the outside and really put a hurting on him from there but his game is pretty much all surrounded by grappling he tries to get to get his opponents to the ground control them there look for finishes on the ground um but very minimal striking that we see from him. You know, his striking is pretty much all just to set up his takedowns and his clinch work and and closing the distance. You know, there's been fights where I've seen him pretty much on his back foot and he'll just throw pot shots every now and then and just wait for the proper opportunity to, you know, change levels or a, a clinch up with his opponent and then eventually drag them to the ground. That's what he's going to need to do here against Jarno Aarons, who will likely have the striking advantage. Aarons throws a lot of heat in his strikes, and I like to see the way that he throws, especially in combinations, and that could provide some issues here for Gomez if he's not able to get that clinch or that grappling going at all. That's where my concern lays. Paying minus two fifteen on a guy that is so grapple, uh, you know, grappling centric but doesn't have a a real fleshed out striking game that gives me some cause for concern here for Gomez because if he can't get that grappling going Aaron's will likely touch him up on the feet. Now I will also say this there are a couple fights on Aaron's record where I was like he did not deserve that decision there's at least three fights I could count off the top of my head that I didn't think that he deserved the decision for but he still goes out there and gets the win most of his offense comes from his striking right his combination striking and trying to keep his opponents at bay to keep his opponents off of him but more than not his opponents are able to drag him to the ground. I do believe his uh, grappling game has gotten better and better as his career has gone on, or at least his his defensive grappling, but I think he's going to struggle with that here against Gomez, who is just so persistent, and his cardio is good enough to do that over 15 minutes, and I think that will see Gomez land uh, takedown after takedown in this fight and really grind him out. The over two and a half is actually sitting at plus 100, which I think is very uh, intriguing as I think that we'll see enough resistance from Aarons in terms of not getting finished in this fight. And then Gomez is just going to stay on that grapple heavy approach and prolong this fight over that 15 minute mark or even over that 12 and a half minute mark that you would need to catch the over two and a half. So give me Gomez. Uh, Gomez by decision, but the over two and a half seems to be the most intriguing betting line for this fight. (laughs) you <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We're going to be talking about Nazrat Hakprast going up against veteran John McDessie, who's been out of the cage upwards of 14 months now. He's going to be coming in as the plus 195 underdog. Minus 230 is the return we're getting on Nazrat Hakprast. Now, Nazrat really not turning out to be that fighter. A lot of people expected him to be when he first came into the UFC, even in some of those certain spots that he was just heavy chalk, right? Big power puncher, but outside of that doesn't really provide provided much else but given how often that he was throwing and the the the, the command that he would respect from his opponents uh, sorry the respect that he would com- demand from his opponents uh that's why he would normally win his fights by just outstriking these guys and keep, keeping them on their heels and keeping them on their back foot but John McDessie is a veteran of the game right we just saw him go out there and beat a guy that just pr- pretty much dwarfed him in terms of size and he touched him up and hurt him on numerous occasions and beat him on numbers as well so john mcdesi you know that's the ignacio Bajamundes fight that i'm talking about but john mcdesi is a very skilled fighter still and i think that he could you know be a live dog especially at plus 190 plus 195 again nazar doesn't do much to impress me he's gonna have to land shot after shot after shot here on mcdesi to really gain that respect from him but if i'm not mistaken both these guys actually used to be training partners at tristar for a couple years So I'm sure they know the ins and outs of each other's game, but I believe the veteran in John McTessie might be able to see some things here in Nasrack's game that he could potentially take advantage of. So I'm not counting out John here, but one, I don't like the layoff. Two, I don't like the the fact that he's up there at 37 years old, going up against a young gun like Nasrack Hackpressed, but Nasrack just doesn't do enough for me to be thrilled in terms of taking him at minus 230 here. He should win this fight, and sure, if you want to go out there and parlay winners, one of these guys is going to blow up in your face, and Hack Hakpras could absolutely be that guy for you. So, tread very lightly in this fight, in my opinion. I'd suggest the over, but it's so juiced all the way up to minus uh, 230 at this point in time. Uh, you know, maybe there is a finish that could transpire considering uh, Mac getting up there in age, uh, the the wild game of Hakpras, and how he could potentially uh, have a, a knockout or get knocked out himself. So this fight, very volatile in my opinion. I don't think you should feel that safe about hack press at all around minus 230, but I do think he'll be the one landing the bigger and better shots, which will ultimately allow him to win this fight via decision. All right, let's move on to the next fight. We got three fights left, and they are some great fights. The first of which we got the middleweight division on stage here. We got Alessio DiCurico going up against Roman Kopilov. In terms of odds, we got minus 115 on DiCurico, minus 105 on Kopilov. Very close fight. Um, I completely understand why the line is where it's at. Pre-tape, I really thought that I was going to be on the Kopilov side, right? He impressed me quite a lot against Albert Duraev, who I, you know, bet very heavily that night and felt very um, fortunate to come out with a win that night. But Kopilov shown off some good skills there. Uh, his solid striking, just as we saw in the regional scene. But the one qualm that I have with him is his, is his output. Seems to be very low volume. You know, it doesn't seem like he has a confidence like he did when he was fighting on the regional scene, where he's just picking these guys apart and just truly, like, like finishing these guys and just not making it look that hard at all. But once he came in against Carl Roberson, seemed very low volume, seemed very timid, couldn't get anything off, and then he eventually loses that fight. And also, Cardi looked horrible in that fight. And in the Albert Duraev fight, you know, shows some decent get-ups, shows some decent takedown defense, but just isn't active enough as Albert Duraev, who should win that fight on the ground, was still outstriking him just based off of being the more active and uh, putting on a bit of a pace on, on Kopilov there. And Kopilov, hands on his knees at certain points, you know, very... Very sketchy is what I got to say. Now he's going up against a, a guy in DiCurico who doesn't put on much of a, a pace or output himself. So this is a fight that he could probably be very alive in if he can go out there and just land the bigger and better strikes. You know, Kriko is a you know, solid all-around fighter, but when you're losing striking battles to Zach Cummings, it's a big red flag for me. I think Kopilov is the better technical striker here, but if he can get his volume off, he should be able to win this fight. I'm just not super you know, on the, on the train of thinking that he's going to be able to do that because Di Carrico can pull one out of his ass as we've seen him do against Joaquin Buckley, right? Um, and then he comes in as a big favorite against Al-Hassan and he gets head kicked. So, you know, it, it, very inconsistent performances from Di Carrico hasn't really um you know broken through and become a staple middleweight I think is a guy who's always going to be clinging on to his job and I think that's what's going to happen here as well where Kupilov likely lands the better strikes from the outside here and outworks him over 15 minutes and takes home a decision victory Uh, again I I lean with the technical expertise of Kupilov over the UFC experience of Di here but I think that this is going to be a very close fight no matter which way you slice it you know, I think that the way that you could possibly go is the overs. Uh, over two and a half is minus 175. I think it's going to turn out to be a low-paced kickboxing matchup. But we have to lean on who's going to be able to land the bigger and better strikes. And with Kopilov being the more technical fighter here, I think that's absolutely possible. If Deke Rico looks to take this to the grappling realm, I think we've seen solid enough takedown defense from Kopilov that he should be able to stuff most of those and keep this fight on the feet. And then from there, he should be able to land the bigger and better strikes on the feet to win this fight so i'm gonna go kopilov kopilov by decision but man i I wish i had the confidence to back kopilov here and hopefully he can go out there and showcase even a little bit of what he did on the regional scene because i think that will bring him to being at least a a top 15 middleweight should he be able to put all of his punches together so give me kopilov kopilov by decision but just be very careful all right co-main event here big middleweight fight between former title challenger and former title holder Robert Whitaker going up against former title challenger as well Marvin Vittori. We got minus two thirty on Bobby Knuckles, and we got plus one ninety five on the Italian stallion Marvin Vittori. Nid um, originally when I when I broke down this fight, I, I really expected myself to take that chalk on the uh, Robert Whitaker side. You know, very skilled fighter. I don't really know where Vittori wins this fight can he be the stronger guy probably but i don't think he has the technical uh, wrestling expertise to really stifle robert Whitaker in any sort of grappling situation which should allow robert Whitaker to you know outstrike him from distance uh be the faster guy and really you know have his own success in the grappling should he look to take it there um vittori very slow very plodding you know he's pretty much a brute you know he throws big strikes but doesn't have much big knockout power but all of that is just to close that distance so that he can get a hold of you try to drag you to the ground and control you in that aspect but I think that Whitaker is the better athlete here I think he's the better overall fighter I think he's the better wrestler and I think he's the better striker the only thing that concerns me is if Vittori like, actually gets him and controls him up against the cage with his strength. I just don't know how how much we can actually bank on that. And I get why people might be looking to take uh, Vittori around that plus 200 mark, hoping that he could actually you know pull off a round or two just off of control. But I think that uh, with Whitaker being the better technical fighter in all of those aspects, he should be able to stay away from those situations and just land the bigger strikes from the outside and uh, you know stay active enough and maybe even land takedowns of his own. So uh, I do like Robert Whitaker here, but I feel a little bit better playing his decision prop, which is probably, well, not probably, uh, according to best fight odds, the best line you can get on him to win by decision is currently minus 105. I'm seeing a trend, trend towards minus 120 now, but I'd feel much more comfortable playing that than playing inside the distance. Vittori, brickhead, right? Like the guy's very difficult to put away, granite chin as well. Um, so I'd be surprised if Whitaker is able to knock him out at any point. But I do think that Whitaker will put together a better overall package, you know, staying consistent with the punches, staying consistent with the leg kicks, maybe landing a takedown or two of his own. It's absolutely possible. But Vittori is big, Vittori is a brute, and, and he could have some success in this spot. So again, I don't hate people taking the underdog shot on Vittori. When you get a top five guy at underdog odds, I completely understand taking the shot on him. But I just think that... Robert Whitaker is just that much better than him, and he should be able to grind this fight out and win it via decision. So give me Bobby Knuckles via decision. All right, main event time. Shout out to everybody that's been watching the video up until this point or listening to it in audio form to this point. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe if you haven't already. And if you want to see what the bets I've already placed are, The best way to do that is check it out on the Patreon. Five bucks a month. Link is in the description below. Like I said, I always drop bets on the Patreon first. So those guys get the best odds possible. Unless, of course, the line eventually moves against me. But those those guys always get the bets first. And then on the Friday before the fights, I normally release them to the public on my social media. So if you want to wait till Friday, you're more than welcome to wait till Friday. But if you want to see what the official bets are already, link is in the description below. Patreon.com check it out and again i i don't like to push it the patreon because of my picks so much i want to push it for the support the endless content that i give you guys on a weekly basis five bucks a month helps tremendously and i greatly appreciate it all right let's get right to this heavyweight main event we got frenchman siddle Gan taking center stage in front of his home crowd going up against tied to ivasa in terms of odds you guessed it Minus 540 for Syrogon, plus 420 the return on Tai Tuivasa. Now, the one theme that I've been hearing, you know, leading up to this fight, especially since we've had a whole week to, to get over UFC 278, turn our attention to UFC Paris, is, it's heavyweights. Anybody is live. Plus 420, gimme plus 420. But no, guys, I don't think so. This is not the spot to do it. Cyril Gan is a guy that fights like a welterweight, likes, uh, fights like a middleweight, you know. Makes it very difficult for you to land big shots on you, and I'd be surprised if the slow, wild style of Tai tuivasa is actually going to be able to land big shots here on Cyril Ghosn. Cyril will be the much taller opponent here, will be the much bigger guy, and much more agile, and his footwork will be able to get him out of these bad positions. Maybe the... Um, the leg kicks of Tai Tuivasa will be able to slow Cyril gone down, But I really think that we're going to see Cyril at least attempt a couple of takedowns in this spot to try to get this fight to the ground, to take away that leg kick, to take away the big power of Tai Tuivasa, and even look for a submission on the ground, right? Everybody's shitting on Surgon's ground game because he looked horrible off his back against Francis Ngannou. I get it. But he is a much better fighter when he's able to get that top position, which I think he can do here against Taito Iwasa. That's why I'm a little bit skeptical in terms of taking the over two and a half, which a lot of people are trying to look at, right? They're thinking that we're going to get a classic Surgon performance, just touch him up from the outside and just win a decision in this fight. But... I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a mean streak about Cyrigan come, especially after having that title loss earlier this year and not to mention fighting in front of his home crowd here in France and wanting to provide some sort of chaoticness, some uh, a finish of some sort so that he can, you know, throw them into a ruckus and, and really enjoy that, that, that environment. So... Uh, you know the the spot that seems intriguing to me here rather than taking that minus 600 minus 540 whatever the fuck he's at is taking uh taking a little bit of a sprinkle on serial by sub at plus 420 plus 400 on certain spots you know that could be the spot here as he's able to get tied to the ground i don't think he'll struggle too much in terms of getting him there and then from there he should be able to really rough him up from on top possibly open up a submission opportunity for him but even if this takes place in the striking right like i thought that jerzina rosen strike was a much more dangerous Version of Tai Tuivasa in terms of trying to play that 25-minute kickboxing game that Cyril Gondas and just staying on the outside and not getting nuked by Jarzinho. like I thought. Jarzinho is is a stiffer test than Tai Tuivasa in my opinion. Tai is just getting these wins off of you know poor performances from his opponents as well. You know, knocking out Derek Lewis in 2022 is not as big of a deal as it was you know back in 2017 or 2018. Derek Lewis is very much starting to slow down. Oh, a win over Stefan Struve big whoop. You know, Augusto Sakai really on the decline as well. So another knockout victory for Tai Tuivasa there. But what happens when he's not able to connect on the chin, which I don't think he's going to be able to do here. I think he's going to be whiffing a lot. I think he's going to be struggling a lot and we'll see Sirogan go out there and continue to do Sirogan shit, whether it's kickboxing him from distance or looking to get this fight to the ground and just get him out of there relatively quickly. So I think the 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 dark horse prop here like I said is gone by submission at plus 420 but i'm convinced that we could see almost anything here from sir gun because he can win this fight any which way he chooses tai Tuivasa is not live in this fight i don't care if it's heavyweight and even if you do think that he's live taking tai toivasa by knockout at plus 600 is better than taking his money line at plus 400 because that's the only way he wins does he win by submission no does he win by knockout no He's going to have to knock out Cirogan, and that is going to be a tough task, especially when he's not going to be able to trap him or catch him at any point in this fight. So give me Cirogan. I'll say official prediction, Cirogan by submission, second round. Let's go. All right, that is a wrap on the breakdowns. Hope you guys appreciated the, or enjoyed the episode. Hope you guys appreciate the go back to the, uh, the, the pre-edited versions of the podcast. I very much enjoyed when I was able to drop these and uh, going to be premiering them as well so that I can hang out with you guys in the chat and, and talk along with you guys while you guys ingest the premiere version of it. Not to mention, I feel like these episodes go by a lot quicker when I'm just talking to the camera rather than chatting with the live chat. So uh, happy to do that on the premiere side of things rather than doing it as a live version all right once again make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe below if you haven't already hit that patreon up as well if you want to support your boy a little bit more five bucks a month great discord community is really starting to pop off again so i truly appreciate everybody that's been staying busy in there and showing your boy support get your ass in there as well because i promise that you guys will enjoy it all through the patreon not to mention all the other content that i drop on the website as well um Yeah, appreciate you guys. Love you guys. I'll be back throughout the week for the MMA lock Talk, like I said, Monday through Thursday, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Thursday, propping you up back on the all-show with my guy Cody Safdick. Friday, Ultimate Wayne Show should be returning and uh, still lining up a guest for it, but I think I have a guy in mind that I believe you guys will very much be happy with. Uh, And then Saturday, uh, won't have a fight day live chat because I'll be en route to Montreal uh, to visit the family and stuff. So, Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the week, and I'll see you guys throughout the week as well. Peace.